Good to see everyone, and we appreciate you being here today so much. Uh, let me go ahead and start off with a title. The guys in the sound booth wanted to know. I, you know, Linda says that um, she thinks I need a hearing aid, and I don't. I'm just fighting it just as long as I can, and. Um, so when he leaned over my shoulder and he said they need a title, I thought they were saying something about my tie. So your tie's tangled up or your tie is twisted. I, didn't, I started feeling around and he said the title. So I said, okay, so here's the title. And uh, it is original. I didn't copy it from anyone. And I'm sure it's not the only one that, I mean, I, 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 there are other preachers that, have titled messages like this, How to Avoid Stinking Thinking. How to Avoid Stinking Thinking. Now, let me just start off by saying a couple of quick things, because as we get into this, it would it, there's going to be a, a, some uh, encouragement to go in a certain direction, but when we start thinking about our minds and the messages, and some of you probably heard some excellent messages on the battle for the mind. I've, I've, heard, I've heard some really good sermons and messages on uh, the battle for the mind. So as we think about our thinking and, and think about this is a battleground. Listen, if Satan can get our minds, if he can control our thinking, then he will have won a huge part of the, the battle that we're engaged in. So I, I really believe that he targets the mind, he targets our thinking, and, uh, and so a couple of just quick thoughts just to, to begin. When you think about, when you recognize a struggle or something going on in your mind that you know is, is not right, I would, there are a couple of quick things. Number one, nip it in the bud. It's like the story, you've all heard the story of the preacher he was using. You know, in seminary they teach you, you know, raise your voice, lower your voice, you know, and all this stuff. And he was saying, and what shall we do with sin? What shall we do with sin? What shall we do with sin? And this poor little boy on the back row, he just felt bad for the preacher because nobody was answering. So he just stood up and yelled in the back, nip it in the bud. That's an old, very old story, but it, huh? Okay, <laughs> I didn't hear it from him. I actually heard it in seminary. Um, <clears throat> but it's important to understand that slight little principle. It's easy to say, hard to do. But it's when you recognize the thinking going the wrong direction, nip it in the bud. Start dealing with it right away. And, uh, and then another, just a quickie, another thought is starve it. Starve it. Nip it in the bud and starve it. 
It's like, you know, the flesh. You've got the three enemies, the world, the flesh, the devil. You starve the flesh. You don't feed the flesh. You starve the flesh. And so, so in sermon preparation, let me just say a couple of things about what some, how some preachers do it. Some preachers say that I, I and I've heard this, I've, and, and some of the times when I've attended some of the meetings, preachers' meetings and things, you know, I keep my finger on the pulse of the church and, and what's going on in the life of the church, and that helps me develop messages so that I can preach things that I know they're dealing with. And, th and that is one approach. That is one approach to, you know, I mean, of course, we all like just exegeting, just take a book and go through the book. We all like that a lot and probably prefer that. But, <clears throat> and then another is, you know, a preacher will prepare messages on issues he's dealing with himself and things that he's struggling with and things that God's teaching him. And so it's easy to, if you're digging out some things and God's showing you some things, it's easy to relate those to the congregation as you are going through these very uh, real things in your own life. And so today, I just want to say the second is what uh, I'm wanting to say that from personal experience, I'm wanting to bring this message about how to avoid stinking thinking. Many believers uh, struggle with a lot of the same things. And, and you know, the devil, this is one thing that he's really, really good at. He wants us to feel like we're out on some isolated island and we're the only one going through this. He doesn't want us to know that, hey, probably 10 or 15 people around us are struggling in some fashion, similar issues in your Christian life. <clears throat> and one is our thought life. So I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that all of us battle these issues concerning the mind and our thinking, if you will. And I, we're going to look at a few scriptures just to kind of make a point. But look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, if you will. And just verse 16 uh, in the, the section there about the armor of God and our we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's important to know, by the way. Our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. But it's, we need to see it. We really need to see it from God's perspective. The battles that we're fighting are really more, I, I think they're more spiritual. But Satan is really good at causing us to think it, my enemy is uh, another person. But verse 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all, A-L-L, the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, I think you can, uh, you know, look this up and find out that the fiery darts can mean a lot of things, but I do believe with all of my, my heart, as you research this, that you'll discover the fiery darts are these thoughts and many times unscriptural, negative, critical, immoral thoughts coming our way 
being shot at us, the fiery darts coming at us to our, to our mind. These thoughts are coming, and, and it's important for us to begin a process of discerning where did that thought come from? Where did that thought come from? And I'm going to tell you, many of the times you're going to, when we have a thought, a critical thought about a brother or sister in Christ, a negative thought about a brother or sister in Christ, you can mark it down many times that criticism, that negative view of another believer is going to be planted. It's going to be a fiery dart coming to plant something wrong in our minds and get us to thinking in a wrong way toward another brother or sister in Christ. Now, I want to move into a section here in my message about the day and age in which we live. We live in a day of high technology and terminology that some of you probably understand very clearly, but it's not as understandable to me. And I'll just give you a couple of examples. The things that I struggle with. I struggle when I, and I, I just hadn't gotten over it. I'm sorry. I just had, I just struggle when I see white things dangling from people's ears. I don't know why it bothers me, but it's almost like to me they're, doing walkie-talkie or something, or they're, you know, I don't know that I have a person's full attention when they've got these white things hanging out of their ears. I, I just feel like that they're, what are those called? Earbud, earbud, okay, earbud. So when they have the earbuds, I'm thinking, you know, are they really paying full attention to me or are they getting, you know, signals from something else, another source? So, but it looks strange. Does that not look strange? I mean, it just looks, <clears throat> one of the reasons I, I said, my wife said, I probably need a hearing aid. I just don't like the looks of a hearing aid. And they say, oh, but they've got them really, they're, they're hidden now. They just go down deep in the hole of your ear and, you know, and, you know, you can't even tell it's there. I would tell it's there. I know it's there. But, uh, but it just looks strange. So that's one thing. And then, you know, other terminology <clears throat> that, that we use today is Bluetooth. Well, you know, that, uh, that day I, I told you all I turned on the truck. We had never had Bluetooth before. And I didn't know what Bluetooth was. I, 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 you, you say Bluetooth to me, I think of somebody that couldn't duck out of the way of a line drive. I, you know, caught it in the mouth. I mean, that's, that's Bluetooth to me. But I, I turned on the truck and music started. And I said, where that's I, I don't know where that's coming from. The radio is not on and the sound is coming over the speakers. But it was some Christian and Aaron came up and he I said, what what do I do? I don't know how to control this. And he said, and it's amazing. It's a very conservative Christian church singing over your Bluetooth. And I said, I, I didn't even know how, I don't know how to work the Bluetooth. I have no clue. But so Bluetooth. And then another term uh, today is hacking. Well, to me, somebody says uh, about hacking, I think that's a lingering cough. Um, I just, you know, I've had that before COVID and now after COVID. Uh, and uh, just a, that lingering cough, it just uh, annoys me. <clears throat> but hacking, 
So you can see that some people are really up to date on terminology and technology. And so it's a, it's a good, to me, it's a good thing, bad thing. Um, I've never sent an email. All the, church, all the church emails come to my wife. I've never sent an email. And people, you mean you've never, ever in your whole life? Never. Now, the last time I mentioned that, do you know that somebody tried to send an email through the church to me, directly to me? I think they heard me say that, and then they were trying to catch me. I've never, I don't get emails, and I don't send emails. Emails come to my wife, she reads them to me, and then we deal with them. Uh, I've never purchased anything on Amazon, ever. I, uh, <laughs> Patrick, I'm sorry, but this is what I do. This is what we've worked out. I put it in the cart, and she orders it. And then I told her today, I told her today on the way in, I said, Linda, I don't know, you know, and again, I, this is very sensitive, I understand, but we're talking about, you know, one or the other going to heaven before the other person. And I said, I don't know who would be in the worst situation because she can't open a water bottle by herself and I wouldn't know how to cancel Amazon. That would be the first thing I would want to do is cancel that. If it's on her first word, if I say, um, I noticed you bought this. She said it was on sale. Every purchase is on sale and it's, it's got to be good if it's on sale. So subscribe and save does not, I don't think that saves a lot to me because we could open a store in certain areas because of subscribe and save. But anyway, so I don't know who would be in the worst shape. I couldn't cut off Amazon. I wouldn't know how to do it. I wouldn't know how to stop it. And I told her today, I said, that'd be the first thing I'd do. I'd stop Amazon. I would just stop it. And if I need it, I'll go buy it. So anyway, we have so much fun laughing and cutting up over stuff. Technology is good and bad. Would you agree to that? It's good and bad. The good is that you can hear prayer requests. And this is something that my wife, she has that prayer chain and with all the ladies on it. And we heard about Kimberly and the fall. And we were able to pray. And, and these kind of things, all that's good. It's good to be able to make contact with somebody in just a brief. It doesn't take long to make a contact, but you don't get tied up for an hour and a half on the telephone. So there are good, good things. I really have enjoyed listening to uh, messages, old time, you know, Adrian Rogers, he's been gone for a while, um, David Jeremiah, John MacArthur. I enjoy listening to good sermons and feel like that that's starving the flesh, but feeding the spirit. And so, but, and so there are good things about it. But I think the bad thing, these are some obvious to me, and I don't know if you all can recognize it because if you're grown up with it, but the idea you can't live without it. The idea that you can't go anywhere without having, it's to me, I've described it like being addicted to drugs. It's like having it in the vein. It's like I can't live without it. 
You open your eyes, you get your phone. You go to bed, your phone goes to sleep with you. I mean, people, you watch people in, I've seen people at red lights. They're at a red light and they're doing their phone. I see truck drivers going down the freeway and their trucks weaving like this. And my wife, Mercy, says they're probably sleepy. And I say, no, look, they're texting. They're, they're looking at their phone and they're weaving. They're jeopardizing my life. They're threatening my life out here. So uh, I think there's some good and there's bad at the same time. The good ideas. But I do believe that we're in the day and age which we live with all of the technology, we get away from simple things like, you know, be still and know that I am God. The idea of sitting under an oak tree by yourself. I've seen it back years ago. I used to watch a lot of hunting videos. I don't watch them so much anymore, but I used to watch hunting videos and the dads would have their little sons, their kids with them. And they'd be all, you know, they'd look at the squirrel and they'd look at the bird and they'd look at the deer coming out and everything. Now, if you look at them, the kids are not watching the stuff that's going on out there. They're sitting there in the blind playing video games. And it's just a change. Whatever happened back when I grew up and when our, we had our kids at home, uh, we had meals together. People came to the table. We had the blessing. We sat down. We conversed. Do You know, there was a restaurant in America that offered a reduction in your prices if you would check your phone at the counter and they would say, we'd like to see you have conversations with each other. Not, and, and think about it. It's, we're just, that is, I think that's a huge negative that you can't even get together. I've been in group gatherings where you have many, many, many people in different age groups. And over half of them, while we're trying to have a conversation, half of them are looking at their phones. And I'm thinking, you're not listening. You're not paying attention. You're not interacting with the folks in the same room because you are texting somebody in another world or another state or another city, you know, while we're having conversation. It, it, I think there's something that to me that we're losing some of that basic stuff that we once had as a nation, as a church family and people, but technology can be a part of our thinking Technology can be a part of our thinking, what's going into our minds, and it concerns me. You can listen to things that for little children, and uh, much of it is much more upbeat than anything that my kids ever heard. And uh, it's just there, and it's like you. Well, if you if you just can't control it, it's. Uh, I think some of the technology really. Uh, uh, directs our thinking. And um, so I, I saw a sermon title the other day. Someone had, and I didn't actually listen to it. I just saw the title, but it said, you are what you think. You are what you think. And you've heard the terminology, and I've used it before from this pulpit uh, about thinking and the, the saying that's been around for years and years, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. So, and then you wonder, how can people get to where they are 
thinking the things they do, their minds have been bombarded with all these things that are unscriptural. So what are we, as we go through the week, what are we thinking about? What's bouncing around in our little bitty minds and what are we focusing on? Are we actually focusing on the Word of God and allowing it to guide us and help us through life? And, and what are we thinking about? What are we dwelling on? It's easy. And this is why I said at the beginning, if you'll remember, some sermons are developed because of things you're going through yourself, okay? Struggles you're facing yourself. And this is kind of getting into that. It's easy to dwell on our problems. It's easy to dwell in a negative way on our problems and our circumstances, on our hurts and, um, and the issues, rehashing in our minds. It, it, it's, we allow that to go on, to rehash in our minds the pain that we feel that we're going on. We, we, it goes over and over and over in our minds. That's why I nip it in the bud, starve it. It's important to recognize what is happening, what's occurring, because I can tell you it's happened in my, in my mind in the last several months. I would, I would not even begin to tell you or anyone what I had thoughts that I've had that have been so unscriptural because of circumstances, because of situation, because of issues. And, and, you know, I, I'm, t you know, some people say, well, you just don't understand. No, I understand. I understand. I understand the battle for the mind. I understand the struggle to keep our minds directed and, and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I understand that because we are human and we are very capable of letting our minds go in the wrong direction. So I think it's important that we honestly evaluate and examine, especially on Lord's Supper Day, it's a good time, to examine what's going on in our minds and what we're allowing to be mulled over in our minds. We need to ask ourselves, and, and again, we, I think it's important to ask ourselves, where did that thought come from? And if you're honest, if you're honest, much of the negative, the, the bad stuff, the downer stuff, the discouraging stuff, a lot of it is coming from the fiery darts. It's coming from Satan to attack us and to bring us down. By the way, this, this was a discussion I had just within the last, this week. A person talked about, you know, our church has been under attack. It's been attacked. Why wouldn't Satan attack our church? We have families growing up children that are making an impact on the world. They're increasing the kingdom of God. They're out there soul winning. Why wouldn't Satan try to attack and destroy that? And if, and if you, we just need to be aware that Satan hates godliness. He hates Christ's likeness. And he will do everything. And I think a lot of it is going to come toward our thinking and toward our mind. I thought our thoughts need to be coming from God's word, from God's Holy Spirit. We have, the scripture says, the mind of Christ. 
So we need to be exercising that mind of Christ. The, the strongest believers, and I'm telling you, I know this for a fact, the strongest believers are capable of spiraling downward. The strongest believers are capable of spiraling downward in our thinking. I've got several D words. I don't often do that, but we're capable of depression. I, I've, I've, I've avoided using that word in front of the pulpit for years. But as I've grown older and um, hopefully a little wiser, I'm aware that Christians, strong Christians, can suffer from depression. They can, of course, all of us suffer from disappointment. We get to the point of despair. We get to the point of discouragement, disillusionment. We get disheartened. We just get down. And some of us can get to the point, and again, I refer you to that message, and I'm, one day I'm, we're probably going to do it in the afternoon, but by Adrian Rogers on how to get up when you're down. How to get up when you're down is one of the most powerful messages on overcoming discouragement. How to get up when you're down. But we get to the point where we literally are ready to throw in the towel. Now, we have some scriptures, and I'm confident about these scriptures. I'm confident that if I am going to ever have victory in these areas, and if you're ever going to have victory in these areas, we're going to need to look at these scriptures. They're not new scriptures. I mean, we've, we've, t we've talked about this for years, off and on for years, but we need to remind ourselves what the scripture has to say about our thinking and our minds. It's important because it's real. It's real, and we are all, uh, because we carry around the flesh, one of the three enemies of the Christian, we carry around the flesh. So we need to be aware. 2 Corinthians 10, let's start there. 2 Corinthians 10. Certain key points in, this, in these passages here, about three verses, certain key points that are very, very important for us to apply, not just hear about it, but apply as we go through our daily lives. And, and I'm preaching to the preacher, okay? I'm not saying this is just for you. I'm saying this is what I need to be doing in my own personal life. 2 Corinthians 10, For we walk in the flesh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. What did I say a while ago? That the, the, our battle is a spiritual battle. Our battle is a very real spiritual battle. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And look at this. It's a sequence. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. 
every thought that comes against the word of God or is contrary to the word of God. And bringing, and these are, I mean, I love this. And bringing in, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The goal, that we would be obedient to Christ. How do you do it? You cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God or against the word of God or the spirit of God and bringing, gathering, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means this is not a part-time job. It's an everyday job. It's a, it's a job that we are, should engage in as we wake up in the morning and as we go to bed at night and everything in between. Because, look, have you noticed? Your mind doesn't stop. Our mind's just, I mean, our mind, it's going all the time. We're thinking about something. And we can be thinking about godly things, godly thoughts. Where did that thought come from? It needs to come from God. I need, to, I need to nip it in the bud. I need to go back. I need to take my mind back, gather, take captive every thought. I need to bring it back because I recognize what's happening. What's happening? I'm spiraling out of control downward in my mind and I'm getting discouraged, depressed. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm headed down. And so nip it in the bud. The minute you recognize it, recognize it immediately and start casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're spiritual. Bringing into captivity every. You know, isn't it amazing the word of God? It doesn't say some of your thoughts, some of your thinking. It says every. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> then, let me, let me go ahead and go to Isaiah. Let's, let's turn over to Isaiah 26. Isaiah, this, you know, when you've been someplace as long as we have, you have relationship with people, I remember Mrs. Jones. This is one of her, I mean, she, if she quoted this once, she's quoted a hundred times. Isaiah 26, 3. And this is not just a verse to say, to quote, then go about your life. This is a verse to quote and live by. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind, we're talking about thoughts. We're talking about the mind. We're talking about the battle for the mind. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Not partial peace. Not some peace, you know, hit, you know flip a coin. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. I mean... You're looking for help. You're looking for encouragement. I'm looking for a word from God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Nip it in the bud. The minute the mind starts drifting, those thoughts start drifting. Nip it. 
Bring it back into captivity. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now then, I want to show you some other. And again, I understand you don't have to remind me. But look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. That word careful, there's don't be anxious about anything. Be careful. Don't be anxious for anything. But isn't that amazing? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, you do those steps, those things, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep, shall guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. I mean, if you're struggling, the, the, here are the answers. It's found in the Word of God. It's found in the Word of God. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard, keep your hearts and your minds, your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Now, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, this is the grid when you start saying, okay, let's evaluate what I'm thinking about. This is the grid. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report. Don't be listening to bad reports about other people. Listen to the good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, and the Bible says... With our minds, think on these things. You could say it. Uh, another translation said it. Let your mind dwell on these things. Think on these things. Dwell on these things. Let your mind dwell on those things. And you go back and you look at the list. And you say, okay, I'm thinking about this. Where does it fit into that list? I want to be very careful here, but in the recent months, as I've said, I said it last week, we know, we know that there have been some things said that were not true, have not been true about me and about our church. We know that there, it's, things have been said, and so, you know, I struggle as a human. I'm a human being. I struggle do I expose it all? Do I tell all everything I know and kind of, in a way, retaliate and, and get, you know, say, you can't do this to us? And Linda and I have gone to the Lord, and this is where we are. We have gone to the Lord, and I don't have all the verses, but we've looked up, she's looked up a lot, we've looked them up together. The Lord is our defense. 
He is our defense. He is our defender. He is our shelter in the time of storm. The Lord will defend thee. So we're trusting our mind. Is my mind is my mind says, look, people need to hear the truth. They need to hear this is not true what's been said. It needs to be corrected. And God's word says, I'm going to take care of it. You just watch and see. I'm your defense. And it's not just with church-related things. It's things in life. But the Lord says, I'm your defense. But then when we struggle, when we go through situations, I don't want to be too personal, but on January the 20th, I fell. I tore my meniscus. No, it was my rotator cuff. Y'all remember that? So I love that. I've, I just wish somebody had corrected me when I said it, but no, I've had to live with that now for that embarrassment. I've, you know, just hold my head down and I'm thinking, I don't even know the difference between a knee and a shoulder, but uh, my rotator cuff and I fell. I must have fallen pretty hard. I know I did. I couldn't even get up. But that happened on the 20th and not to be too, you know, like, well, this sermon shouldn't be about you. I'm just telling you, when you're suffering, when you're ha you have pain, I've been every day since that happened, I wake up around 3.30 to 4 o'clock in just agonizing pain. Just you, I, can't, I can't sleep. That's been going on for over a month. Every morning, wake up in terrible pain. When you get like that and you have all these things going on, you've got other issues and then you've got the personal things and you've got all this, it's easy for Satan to attack when you're struggling, when you're physically struggling, when you're hurting, when you're going through emotional hurt. And Satan knows when to hit and how to hit and where to hit the hardest. He's good. Let's give him credit. He's good at what he does. He's a liar and a deceiver and he doesn't know how to tell the truth. But Knowing how to attack and when to attack, when we're hurting, he knows how to do it. And he goes after our minds. He goes after our minds. And then you say, but I, I just, I don't know if I can pick one foot up and put it in front of the other. And then God says, and Matt's reminded me of this a couple of times here in the last six months or so. The scripture is very clear. When I'm weak, when I'm weak, the apostle Paul remove the thorn in the flesh. When you're weak, then I am strong. When you are weak, guess what? Then I take over and become your strength. So let's just face it. There are times God just has to let us get weak. He wants us to get weak so we can get out of the way and let him take over. So we can begin to apply the word of God. And do these things about keeping our mind on him, taking captive every thought, concentrating, thinking about that list, that grid of things that he's already listed out that we need to be thinking about. Look, people say, I want in-depth preaching. That's in-depth preaching. When you have a list like that and God says, let your mind dwell on these things. You don't, you don't get any deeper than that. You say, well, that doesn't scratch my itch. Look, if we will apply this, you know what? I don't think this building would hold all the people if we were all applying what the Word of God has to say. 
And I certainly believe if we would apply, and that means all of us, the body of Christ, there would be fewer divisions in the body of Christ. Feed the word of God, feed on the word of God, meditate on the word of God, obey the word of God, and let the Lord do what he wants to do. He's ready, he's able, he's capable. Take captive every thought. Use the shield of faith to quench, to fight off the fiery darts that are coming our way. They're coming. As they say, incoming, they're coming. And fight it off. Resist it. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Let your mind dwell on certain things. Get the other out. Nip it in the bud. Starve it. Now, you say, well, that's easy for you to say. No, I'm living it right now. I'm living it right now. So don't be courageous enough to say you don't really understand what I'm going through. No, I do. Maybe not in the same area, but I do. Because we, we, the devil is out to destroy our testimony, destroy our family, destroy our church. And he is after us as strong believers. And you can mark it down. He's going to, he, if he can, he's going to hit your mind first. He's going to hit your thinking first. And we need to stand against, having done all to stand, stand against the wiles, the wickedness of the devil. I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm a fighter. I'm not going to give up. Just not going to let him win. And I hope you'll join me in that fight. I hope you'll jo in, uh, in join uh, the, the body of Christ and we would stand against the lies, the deceit, the, all the stuff that Satan's trying to do, but protect your mind. And fathers and mothers, think about what's coming in your homes. That you, you are given the responsibility to guard your children's minds while they're still little and, and not able to guard it themselves. It's up to us as parents to guard and protect our children's minds. That's our job. And then once they get out on their own, then that's up to them. But we have a responsibility. So let's spend some time in prayer. And, and as we sing our hymn of invitation, you have a number? 470? 470. Let's stand together. We're going to have a word of prayer. Stand together. And uh, we'll just trust God to accomplish and do a great work. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the encouragement that the word of God is to all of us. And Father, that we would be obedient, that we would be doers and not just hearers. We, we've heard the word. Now we need to apply it. We need to put it into practice this afternoon when we go to bed, this evening, tomorrow when we wake up. We need to apply when thoughts, negative thoughts, terrible thoughts, wicked thoughts, discouraging thoughts are coming our way. We need to take captive every thought. We need to dwell, let our minds dwell on, on certain things that are scriptural, right, true, honest, good report. I pray that you would encourage us today. Help us to grow. Help us to see the victory. Help us to be encouraged by the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.